0: Here's the set list for the tour. These are uh, the questions, the topics. Now, I have clips posted on BillOReilly.com. If you are a premium or concierge member, you get to see a lot more. But if you're just somebody who's watching me on the first TV, listening to me on WABC radio or all our other outlets, you can go there. We have some clips for you. Uh, But the major clips are shown to our premium members. But anyway, I'm going to give you uh, the topics that we discussed. and I'm going to run in some sound from Donald Trump right now. All right. So the first topic was Putin. How dangerous is he? And I asked President Trump to assess him uh, on whether he's willing to start a conflict in Europe with Ukraine. Then we went to Xi. How dangerous is he? Is he going to invade Taiwan? All right. Third topic was should China be punished for covid? And Donald Trump said China should pay reparations to the USA and every other country. And that made some news. So he had never said that before. How did the vaccine get developed so quickly? It was a nine-month process. And did Trump get sabotaged by the CEO of Pfizer? So that was fascinating how he got it up and running because he made deals, individual deals. And remember, no other country in the world has a vaccine, even now. Just us. Um, and then, uh, were you surprised Afghanistan collapsed so fast and what was your role in that? And then were you surprised that President Biden opened the border his first day in office? Come on in. Did that surprise you? All right. So these were all asked to Donald Trump. And then we got into January 6th, which I think was the most important part of the history program in both Fort Lauderdale and Orlando. So I asked him, look, you are being accused of instigating the attack on the Capitol by a House committee. You're being accused of doing that. What say you? Roll the tape.
1: One other thing that nobody knows, I knew how large this was going to be because everyone I knew was saying, oh, we're gonna be there in the sixth, we're gonna be, no matter where you went. I said, I think this is gonna be really big. And I asked the Secretary of Defense, I said, I think you should recommend to Nancy Pelosi and to Congress, because they're the ones that control it, I would like to recommend 10,000 National Guardsmen to go and to police here, just in case. I didn't do it as an order, I did it as a suggestion. Because remember, they run the police. Uh, Pelosi Pelosi and Schumer run that whole operation. So so a lot of people don't know this. They
0: don't like to report it. All right. So we immediately checked that out. Did Donald Trump a day before on January 5th tell his secretary of defense, Christopher Miller. To request ten thousand guardsmen to protect the Capitol and other. Government offices? So here's what we found from Miller on a sworn testimony. Put it up on a screen. Quote on the afternoon of January 5th, I received a call from the president in connection with a rally by his supporters that day at Freedom Plaza. The president asked if I was watching the event on television. I replied, I'd seen the coverage of the event. He then commented that they were going to need 10,000 troops the following day Unquote. So that call was made. All right. To then secretary of defense, uh, Christopher Miller. Now, whether it got to Pelosi and Pelosi turned it down, I can't confirm that, but that's what Donald Trump says happened. But there's no doubt that he did want the guard in there one day before the attack on the Capitol. And that undercuts the entire premise that Donald Trump instigated the Capitol attack. So I thought that was pretty important. OK, now I asked him a number of other questions about assessing people individuals and I said look I don't want a hatchet job here but you know these people and I need to know how you feel about them and one of the names was Barack Obama
1: I spent a long time with him as you know in the ceremonial like let's get together very early on and I mean what I did learn and I liked him I got along well with him I got along well with Michelle Obama
0: now that, you know, the crowd was a little quiet there. I thought that was interesting. Um, and this was the most interesting thing that happened. So in Orlando, I, uh, I try to, you know, all the shows are different, all right? So we, the Lauderdale show, that was a set list I gave you. And I, I mixed it up a little in Orlando and in Houston and in Dallas next weekend. I'll bring in new things and we'll do it differently because I want to, you know, keep it fresh. So I asked uh, President Trump, if you're re-elected, and there's no doubt he's running again, unless something happens, you know, that nobody foresees. He will run again. Um, if you're re-elected, will you order the Justice Department to investigate Hunter and Joe Biden?
1: Will the tape. I don't want to hurt a family. I- I'll be honest. Look, look. We've got a president. We've got a president. Now we've got to be fair. We've got a president, there's (laughs) They're very angry at this family, aren't they? Look, I can say this. What they've done to my family is a disgrace, okay? What they've done to my family. And people want that to happen. It's almost a question that I get more than anything, because you know it's so corrupt. And again, it's being looked at right now. It's a shame that it has to be looked at. Millions of dollars came out of China. Millions of dollars came out of Ukraine. Millions of dollars came out of Russia. These are all places that we're dealing with now.
0: Now, because Donald Trump did not say yes, he would investigate Hunter and Joe Biden in their financial transactions with foreign nations, that crowd in Orlando, <laughs> they voiced their displeasure. And, and that took the president by surprise. And me too, I have to be honest, I, because it was, it was loud. I mean, you only heard a little of it, but boy, the whole place shook. Um, interesting. Um, I learned um, a lot I didn't know, but one thing very important. You remember in the first impeachment was because President Trump called Ukraine, Ukrainian President Zelensky and talked about Hunter Biden. And he said, if you have, Mr. Zelensky, any information about Hunter Biden and corrupt dealings, please let us know. For that, he was impeached. Donald Trump was impeached. Okay, but I did not know until the president told me that there is a treaty right now, and it was uh, signed by Bill Clinton in 1998, called the United States of America and Ukraine on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters. I'll repeat it. A treaty between the United States of America and Ukraine on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters. And that treaty says that if there's questions about any dealings by either country, Ukraine or the United States, they have a right to the information. Now, why I didn't hear that or nobody reported that or the congressional uh, hearings on impeachment didn't mention that. Stunning because that was the basis for the first impeachment. And the second impeachment, the basis was Donald Trump incited the uh, the riot. So you can see how this history tour is really narrowing into very, very important items. All right, joining us now from Austin, Texas, is a guy I've known for decades, a presidential historian, Douglas Brinkley, author of many, many fine books, the latest being American Moonshot, John F. Kennedy and the Great Space Race makes a excellent Christmas gift. All right, based on what I've said so far, uh, Doug, um, what's your impression of the Trump history tour? Well, you know, Bill, it's
2: fascinating because most presidents get out out of office and try to quickly do a memoir. Uh, I, I noticed that President Trump um, has a book out about more of a kind of photo type of book, but you're really developing a transcript, an oral history um, of Trump. And it's, it, his subdueness um, I find fascinating in the sense that I think he put up his main defense on January 6th with you, which is that he did request Um, from the Secretary of Defense and to Pelosi, that there would be more troops surrounding the Capitol. And I think that's um, important to follow that path, because that will be Donald Trump's defense uh, in front of the Congressional Commission. Um, And second, when he he said nice things about Barack Obama and, and was pretty calm about the Biden family, it showed me, if if you're correct, and I believe you are, that he's going to be running for president, all things considered, in 2024. He did, I mean, in 2026, he did seem to, um, you know, want to show himself as moving a little bit more towards center-right. Not hard, right? Uh, you know, when he's campaigning, he really goes after people. But I think he's taking this exercise with you seriously as creating a more sober-minded, less euphoric, or um, you know, type of um, you know memory for people. And it, it, it's a strategic move. He's, the way he's playing this right now.
0: Well, and I did have extensive conversations. I, I'll, I'll tell you again that I did not tell. President Trump, uh, any other questions? I never do that. I'm a journalist. Journalists don't do that, okay? But I did say that this is very serious because we have four cameras recording everything. We are getting transcripts and the only two people in the transcripts will have them in the world is me and him. They're not going out to the press, they're not going anywhere. I said, if you want to establish a baseline of your presidency, Here is where you can do it and in front of 12,000 witnesses. Okay, so I think the audience was a little stunned. As I said, some of them thought it was going to be some rally and we were going to go sing country music songs. No. Um, But I must compliment the 45th president of the United States. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't tell me anything that wasn't untrue. And believe me, we checked. So we checked Christopher Miller. And everything that he said, we checked, all right, because that's who we are. And so I think the importance of this is vast. And then the success of it, Doug, shows the country how much the press hates Donald Trump and that hatred's gonna grow. And even when he has a success like these shows, I mean, more than 30,000 tickets sold in the middle of a pandemic. You know, Bill, that? it
2: reminds me of uh, when Theodore Roosevelt it was the last president who was sitting president and then decided to run again as ex-president. We talked about Grover Cleveland doing that in the 19th century, but Theodore Roosevelt did it in the 20th. The difference is Donald Trump is not going to run a third party like TR did with the bull moose. He's, he's pulling together the GOP. And I think Lindsey Graham early on um, had warned him um, earlier this year that you don't need to go far right anymore. They love you. Um, You can tact a little bit towards the center. And I felt that that was a baseline that he was making with you. And I think your word baseline is the perfect word. I felt that he's really starting to leave tracks on almost like doing a memoir with you, which is going to have great historic value. And these will get out. Uh, you and President Trump might own the transcripts, but they'll leak out somewhere, somehow, somebody in a crowd that big will have them. And so he has to err on the side, I would think, of caution when he's dealing with anything that might have legal implications. But he was trying to come up as a good guy with you with the way I think he answered that Obama question. Um, he's known for the birther bit with Obama. And here he's saying, I like them both. And that will play well for more more center I'm um, conservatives, but not, not the hard right.
0: Well, look, I, when he asked me about running, I said to him, and, and as I said many times, Doug, presidents from Bill Clinton on have asked me my opinion on certain things. And as an American, I'm, if a president asked me an opinion, I, I'm, I'm gonna give him the opinion, all right? So I said, look, if you're gonna run again, if you really wanna do that, because you know they're gonna put you through hell, I mean, as I said, the president's going to hate him more if possible. I, I, I don't know if that's possible, but they are. OK, you've got to run on got to run on your record. You got to run on your record you can not run on draining the swamp or the election was a fraud or, or any of that. you got to run on what you did foreign affairs. OK, what you did on the border, what you did in economics, how you contained inflation. And I said, that's what this is all about. I did ask him about the economy, not a lot, because the economy is kind of a ponderous thing and people understand. But you know what? He didn't take a lot of cheap shots on Biden. He, a few, a few. All right. Because I asked him flat out. I said, do you think he's a diminished man? Do you think he knows what he's doing in there? And I, Trump could have wailed on that. He said, President Trump said, I think other people are advising him and he's, he's doing what they tell him to do. And by the way, do you think that as a presidential historian about Joe Biden? Yeah, Biden's had a very rough year and I could have I, I would have thought
2: that Trump on these rallies would have just been punching away at Biden, uh, making inflation the big issue, talking about the uh, failure in Afghanistan, um, the problems with vaccination, dissemination. Um, but instead, he again is, is taking a little different tack. I'd be curious to ask you, Bill on covid i mean does he seem to be proud of operation warp speed
0: yes is that something he's going to run on on that i don't know about i don't know if he'll run on it i think he's going to run more on china owes us and everybody else money was hard on that reparations thing which he had never said before but what he did say in the area that i got into is donald trump's a deal maker that's how he 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 uh, conducted his whole presidency making individual deals Well, he hauled in those pharmaceutical companies and he said, if you can do this, I'll pay you this amount of money. All right. The government will pay you billions and billions of dollars if you can do it. That's how it got done. Because they went back and said, whoa, we're going to get all this money. So we full court press it. And I he what he wasn't so going, I did it, I did it, I did it like he usually does. All right, Donald Trump do, does that a lot. He didn't do that this time. He just said, we made them a deal as maybe the Godfather once said they couldn't refuse. And it worked.
2: Would you, Bill, consider bringing
0: these out in a book form with, with President Trump? I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to get through the next two shows. And, you know, he's going to be
2: judged by crowd size. Uh, That's going to be the media story is how large are the crowds. And your feeling is they couldn't be bigger.
1: Well, I mean, if you
0: you do four shows and you've sold already 30,000 tickets with probably another four or five thousand to come, you do the math. You do the math. Nobody can do that. No one. Yeah, I think
2: I think most ex presidents people judge how much advance money they get for their memoir. How much did Barack Obama get paid, or how much? Sure, and and if Trump
0: wanted Trump's uh, the book you mentioned, in Trump has sold two hundred thousand copies at seventy five bucks a pop, and they ran out of books. So I don't, but I'm not even involved with that, and I can't tell anybody how much President Trump's getting paid. It's my production company, as I mentioned, that's putting this on. But I'll tell you what, there's nobody in the world that could command the kind of money that he's making and the audience that has already purchased the tickets. Yet, if you read on the Internet, you would think that this is a bomb. There's nobody there. Uh, and, and that brings me to my last question for you. This has changed. This is a game changer, Doug. When you can lie about the President of the United States with impunity, you can say whatever you want to say, no matter how unfair and inaccurate it is, then where do we go from there? What's the anecdote to that? Antidote. I think, what, what I think is, so. what's the antidote to that. Well, I think it's um you're it's
2: just showing clips like you're doing and showing the enthusiasm. Uh, You know, people are always on whatever your future performances are. I know you're going to Houston and Dallas. Everybody's looking for Trump to say a blunder, something that's going to be destructive to his career in the media world. Uh, In many ways, if he can come out of all this unscathed, I think he will be advanced. I had one quick question. Is there any possibility, Bill, in the scenario of him becoming Speaker of the House, as some have intimated. If none, if you think
0: that's just none. None. So, um, okay. what the Trump apparatus is now is fundraising for the next run. That's the entire apparatus. How is, apparatus. His media,
2: how is he, Trump's media organization going to play into that?
0: Can Listen, he I did, that? I'm not involved with his campaign at all. Um, I had to deal with them as far as uh, marketing these shows. So I don't know. I can't answer that question. What I can say with certainty is that he wants to be president again. He believes that he has enough votes to win, particularly because President Biden is doing so poorly and he doesn't believe President Obama has the capacity to come back. You know, with inflation the way it is now in November, 8.3 percent, Doug. Now we're talking a pain level. So it yeah. may be too early for the Republican Party. You know, we'll see next uh, midterms. But Trump really believes that he can do it. And that's where 100 percent of his energy is focused. And he seemed very calm
2: and collected. Did that surprise you that, that, that his demeanor was... Well, um... I told
0: him if he wasn't calm and collected that I would have to hang around with him more, and he didn't want that, all right? So that was an incentive, and I was the whip guy. I was the one that told the people who, you know, sort of yell and knock it off, okay? So he didn't have to do any of that. I was the bouncer. Anyway, Doug, look, I I hope you get to see the Houston show. Uh, If you do get to see it, I'd like you to come back maybe next week, and we'll talk about it. Uh, And thank you very much for uh, your comments today. by using promo code bill at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com, use promo code bill at checkout. So I get a lot of mail about TV, all right? Now I have weaned myself off most television because it's just moronic. I don't want to see the mass singer, All right. Or dancing with felons. I I, I just don't. I watch Blue Bloods Friday night. Excellent show. I try to watch 60 Minutes, which I've watched my whole life. I I can't get through it anymore. Very slow now. And that's it. Sports. You know, the game on. I want to see. I'll watch it. But I'm not engaged much in television anymore. I've got to read an enormous amount to stay as smart as I am. I mean, you know, right? So anyway, I'm getting mail about TV commercials, which I never watch. As soon as the commercial goes on, it's muted. And it says, "Look, what happened? What happened? Um, now every TV commercial is woke. And yeah, it's happening. Roll the tape. Hey, Gracie. You know how our family has daddy and mommy? Yeah, that's right. Pretty soon, you're going to have a baby brother.
1: And a puppy. Deal.
0: Okay, apparently that's a commercial for Cheerios. I don't know if the puppy's going to eat Cheerios. My terror dog won't. Um, but I you know, I watched that. doesn't bother me, but it apparently bothers a lot of people that this is what is being put forth. So we asked uh, Adam Gillette. Uh, he is the Accuracy in Media, uh, Conservative News Media Watchdog. Wow. He works for them. And he comes to us from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Very nice. Watch out for the sharks down there, Adam. You know, you get a little nip. Those bull sharks, they're all, they like Ponte Vedra. Um, Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful down there. Anyway, so have you heard anything? Is there a groundswell of why is this woke commercials? Why are they doing this? Have you heard anything about that?
3: You know, it's almost kind of a two-part scheme that they've been doing for years now. All of the content coming out of Hollywood is increasingly geared towards young people. It has to be safe for young people. We have to make sure that if the kid's in the room, they're not going to be offended by seeing it. But the real downside of that, aside from the fact that these kids end up being coddled, they end up being soft, the real downside of that is the kids are the most woke. So if we're going to make content that's geared towards the teenagers or the young people in this world, we're going to get the most woke
0: content possible.
3: Rather than individualism, they celebrate victimization. It's, it's outrageous.
0: But, uh, you know, a company like Cheerios, um, you know, you have to even look hard to figure out what you know, they don't even say, hey. I want a puppy and Cheerios. That might be better. But a company like that, do you feel that that company is under social pressure and they want a virtue signal? Is that part of it? All of corporate America
3: is under social pressure. It's undeniable at this point. And they're terrified of the woke crowd, even though they realize, you know, the phrase go woke, go broke is true. They are cowering in fear from the woke crowd. You see these companies like, you know, Nike, that has their shoes built in communist China where Uyghur Muslims are enslaved and they stand up to Atlanta. They don't wanna you know, have the World Series there, but they'll never stand up to the Chinese. You see all of corporate America hiring equity officers to push their radical progressive ideas within their company. American Express is spending a billion dollars pushing equity within the company. Give it five years, they're gonna be anti-American Express. It's one thing to see progressivism in Hollywood or to see it in higher education. We're now seeing it in
0: all of corporate America. Now, I wonder if it's a good sales vehicle. You know, State Farm Insurance has got this guy. He's in every commercial, African-American guy, good actor, certainly pulls it off. But I wonder if that translates into higher sales. Has anybody studied, say, five years ago uh, and when commercials were just commercials, they weren't woke, and now they are woke? Is, is it a more effective tool for commerce? Well, unquestionably, we know the phrase Go Woke, Go
3: Broke, ain't based on on nothing. Consistently, we've seen Hollywood films made in a woke style. They fail. They rebooted Ghostbusters to appease the woke crowd. That failed. They do a non-woke version, it succeeds. What a surprise. The woke stuff consistently fails. But these folks are so terrified of the woke crowd in corporate America and in Hollywood. And it feels good to be praised by that woke crowd that even though they know it's going to probably crush them with, cor- with actual profits, even though they know it'll crush their movies, they do it because they're more terrified than the woke crowd right, than so they are going bankrupt.
0: Your hypothesis is that the woke commercials aren't helping the bottom line in, in these. Corporations, no, no, unquestionably not. I'd like to see a study on it. Now, I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild after union, and um, that's where all of the actors and the commercials come from. Got to be in that union. And five years ago, it was primarily Caucasian white actors getting the roles, um, and now it's not. Now it's minorities and women getting the commercials. Now that's upset some people inside the union. But not me. I, you know, I say to people, look, for decades, white actors benefited because they were white and uh, corporations didn't want to stir up anything. So now it's, you know, it's a good opportunity for actors of color to prosper. That's my point of view. Am I wrong? My point of view is let's hire if
3: I'm running a company or if I got an ad agency, I'm going to cast whoever's going to move the, move the most product. My goal should be to move product and boost profit uh, bottom lines, whether the character yeah, or the actor know, is you know, black or white or any of that.
0: It's not it's not uh, the godfather. I mean, it's a commercial. It's a 30 second spot. Anybody could do it. So it's hard to say merit when you're cast in a commercial. I, I mean, it is really hard to do. I want to get your opinion before I let you go on uh, CNN. You, you're covering the story, you're following it, and uh, what's your assessment?
3: Well, we parked, at Accuracy in Media, we parked a mobile billboard outside, their, uh, outside CNN's office over the summer. Cuomo lied, thousands died, Revoke his Emmy now. We went after them over the Chris Cuomo mess. It is an absolute disaster. And now Chris Cuomo claims that Zucker knew that he was helping Andrew Cuomo all along, it's unbelievable. These folks are activists pretending to be journalists. It's one thing for them to tell their left-wing audience what they want to hear, but to cover up stuff like this and to call yourselves actual journalists is just sickening and embarrassing. They should be ashamed of themselves.
0: So does CNN go out of business? There's a rumor they're going to get sold to a guy named John Malone. I don't know what he would do, but AT&T seems you know, to be impotent to stop any of the chaos over there. What happens to CNN, say, a year from now?
3: They're an incredibly difficult situation because they're flanked on the left by MSNBC. If you're a hard left viewer, you're probably watching MSNBC. And if you're not a hard left viewer, you're probably watching a network like this or Fox or OAN or Newsmax. So there's so little left in the middle these days when really Americans are on one side or the other. There's so little left in the middle that there's nowhere for CNN to go. I'm not sure what they're going to do.
0: I don't think there's a good situation for them. I think they'll exist, but never again as a force in this country. Adam, thanks very much for helping us out. We really appreciate it. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as a world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD. 877-444-GOLD. Or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD. Or text GOLD to 65532.
2: I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful
0: I want to move out of the USA. I don't advise that, by the way, unless you have people and established ties living in another country. Not easy. But there's a study from Expat Insider, which I never heard of, and they quiz 12,000 expats. When you're an expat, it means expatriate. You leave the country, live someplace else, expat. And they got the five places where Americans are happiest. So they based this on quality of life, ease of settling in, working abroad, personal finance. You Ready for the countries? All right, here they are. Number one, Malaysia, and specifically the capital Kuala Lumpur. Eighty five percent of American expats are happy over there. Wow. Now, I have been to Malaysia. It's hot. A lot of Muslims. Some of them dangerous. A lot of strife. Malaysia, third world. But it's very inexpensive. So you can have a nice little house on the beach. You can have a cook. You can have a maid. You can have a driver, it doesn't cost a lot. Would I live in Malaysia? No way, no way. Second, Spain, specifically Malaga, Spain on the uh, Costa de Sol, spend some time in Malaga. Nice town, it's like Miami, okay? Big high rises, nice beach, not that expensive, but for Spain, it is, but, you know, you can do okay there. 86% of American expats happy in Malaga, Spain. It's a nice environment. It gets hot, but the Mediterranean is right there. Three, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. 72% are happy there, Dubai. So I haven't been there, but I've been to Kuwait, which is just up the road, and it's hot all the time hot but dubai is like a theme park now kuwait you don't want to go to it. but dubai has got all these giant malls and very wealthy the government there controls everything it's safe whatever you want in the world you want a little caviar there it is whatever you want and uh a lot of americans had over to dubai Number four, Sydney, Australia. Now, this was before the COVID lockdown. So Sydney, a good town. Very similar to America. Um, All the conveniences. People have the same mentality, capitalism. But now the government of Australia is telling you you can't get out of the house if you do this, that, and the other thing. COVID has really changed over there. But if you're interested in Australia, not an easy place to get to, by the way. You got to buy your way in there. Um, They don't want a lot of foreigners, even if you're Americans. But Sydney, um, you can have a nice life in Sydney. And finally, Singapore. 79% happy with life in Singapore. So I spent a considerable amount of time there. It's a fascist dictatorship. No crime. Everything runs, everything works. Hot. Again, all these places are hot. Sydney, not quite like Singapore. But if you are into finance and the finer things in life, Singapore, everybody speaks English. You know, everybody speaks English except in Malaysia and Spain. In uh, Dubai, everybody speaks English. So those are the five. The five worst for expats where they don't like it, Rome unbelievably expensive. Milan, no reason to go there. Johannesburg, dangerous all day long. Istanbul, exotic, but dangerous. And Tokyo, chaos. I've been to all of those cities. I would never, ever live in any of them. I'd visit, but not live in them. So if you're thinking about leaving the good old USA, you got to go there first for a month or two before you make any decision. You got to get a taste of it. But it would take a lot for me to
1: leave this, this country. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the truth podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, so there's a new poll out. Uh, it asked Democrats and Republicans who they want to run in 2024. Um, as far as Republicans are concerned, they want Donald Trump to run 69% would support Donald Trump taking another shot at the presidency. Democrats, just 60%, that's a low number, would support Joe Biden uh, running for re election, which Mr. Biden says he wants to do. Um, the Biden administration is in trouble. I mean, everybody knows that. And that's why you're seeing kind of a very slow emergence of Hillary Clinton who says, well, you know, Probably uh, Biden and Harris are not going to be able to get the nomination, so I'm going to be around. And uh, keep your eye on that. Um, The big story this week is the incredible inflation, which will doom the Democratic Party and Joe Biden next November. Um, And I don't see it reversing. Economists don't see it reversing. It might go down a little bit. I hope it does. Uh, But now it's at a fastest pace ever. We're hovering around, you know, 10 percent. Prices are up everywhere. If you go to a restaurant I did last night, new menu. And a new menu, the prices are you know, significantly higher. Now, you don't have to go to restaurants, but you do have to eat. And you go to the grocery store and the prices are everything are higher. Okay? So this is a direct painful infliction of bad politics, bad policy. And people know it. Okay? But apparently um, what the people know... The evening news doesn't know. This is an incredible situation. There's no doubt that inflation is the most important political story right now in the United States of America. Well, after the news broke yesterday that the inflation rate is rising faster than ever before in the history of the country, CBS, ABC and NBC all ignored the story on their nightly news presentations. They ignored it. Nora O'Donnell, David Mule, Lester Holt, couldn't, couldn't summon up 30 seconds to tell you about it. it it's just, I, I don't even have the words anymore. Because when you ignore the most important story of the week, you ignore it. Then there's active corruption before your eyes. So they're covering for the Biden administration. The three most powerful networks in the world, ABC, NBC, and CBS, absolutely covering for President Biden. They don't want to report anything. They're blacking it out. i never seen it before in my lifetime. But you need to know what's happening, which is why you're here watching me on the No Spin News, listening to me on WABC radio and watching me on the first TV. Okay, I mean, that's why you're here, because you know you're getting hosed by the others. You know, the game now is to uh, black out, as we're seeing, news that might hurt the progressive left. Yes, the Biden administration is center, you know, for the networks. But the progressive left really controls the Internet and social media. These are the real uber leftists. I use that word uber too many times today. But these are the people that are really bent in destroying traditional America so they fear me most of all you know I'm up there they feared Limbaugh okay they fear me Uh, they fear some people on Fox News and they will do anything all right to a destroy and be blackout blackout now I I don't go out seeking Uh, Other media opportunities. I'll do it if I think I'm going to get a fair play. And again, Dan Abrams did that. So we were very pleased that he was a fair guy. I don't mind being challenged. Okay. But I knew as soon as I did that, that the far left would take that and, and propagandize. And that's exactly what happened. But for you, the American citizen, the loyal, good, honest citizen, in order to prosper in this country, you need information. That is valid information. Look at how many people voted for Joe Biden because they didn't like Trump. I mean, that's the only reason Biden won. And because he won, look at the state of the country now. Look at it. It's terrible. Biden is the worst president in history for one year. He's worse than James Buchanan and Herbert Hoover. The worst And the reason he got elected was because Trump was demonized. Now, Trump didn't help himself by being bombastic. He didn't. you got to be honest about it. He did not help himself. But the only reason Biden's sitting in the Oval Office today is because they lied about Trump. They lied about Russia. They lied and lied and lied and lied. And it is continuing. We will fight it here. And that's why we appreciate so much you watching. We'll see you tomorrow.